We're going to do, go back to the book of Acts next week. We're going to be in Acts next week. Wild stuff coming. But today I wanted to do a part two for the, um, for Father's Day. I know it was last week and Paul did a, I listened to his, he did a super sermon. But I want to do something because I actually did it at the homeschool conference. We, Kim and I spoke at the homeschool conference. And, uh, I did a, I ended it with a, cause it was Father's Day, a, a thing for fathers. And I just felt like this was perfect for our church, a part two for what, uh, but Paul started, and also my dad was mad. I did spiritual lessons. My mother's taught me on Mother's Day, and my dad is mad I didn't do that for Father. No, I'm kidding. He wasn't mad. So uh, he, but I'm sure he'll appreciate this. So spiritual lessons my father taught me, and I think this will encourage all of us, whether we're fathers, whether we're we're a spiritual, physical dads, but also all of us have a dad. Uh, I think it will encourage us all in, in, in lots of different ways. We're going to start off with a video, two videos. One is Laurel and I on the tractor outside and then inside, we'll start with this, so, okay? There's Laurel and Dad. Don't hit James and Lucas! Go around them! Laurel, you're going to smush them! You're going to smush them! Okay. You can do it. You are driving. Go over that way. Go that way. There you go. You are good at this. Holy cow. Hey, holy cow. You are driving. Okay. Hear what she said? Actually? That's her thing. <laughs> After we got going, she's like, I'm ready to drive the car now. I go, a couple more years, a couple more years. So my dad taught us, I'm teaching her to drive the tractor. My dad taught us to drive tractors very early. He taught us lots on the farm. Uh, fathers are vital for teaching their children so many things, including how to avoid life's traps. Life's traps. Some of these stories, that some of you have been around a little longer, you've heard some of them, but some are going to be brand new. But uh, but one of, the, one of the things, some of you have heard this one, but the, the, the straw tunnel story. Uh, well, you know, we used to build these straw tunnels and hay tunnels in the hay mound, and and we would build them and use them for months and months till the, the hay got used, or the straw got used down, and we had to take them apart. We always broke our heart because we loved being in those tunnels. And one time, uh, I remember one time I was a teenager and I was bringing loads of straw up, and my brother and his friend Eddie Roftus is his name. He might hear this story if he's out there listening somewhere. Eddie and Billy, and they they built. I they were stacking the straw, but as they did it, they created a straw tunnel, like about two thirds away, about twenty or thirty feet high, and it went up and going forty or fifty feet high. But they they did the straw tunnel like part way up, about two thirds of the way up. And so when we got done with all the loads, I'm bringing them up, they're stacking it. They said, "Look what we did, Chuck. Look what we did." And there was this there was a like this little doorway window and way up high in the straw and like we built a great tunnel the whole day we've been building come on follow us follow us i was so excited i remember jumping in you know climbing up and following them and going into the tunnel and we're run, going through and it's pitch black you couldn't see anything zooming around and they were laughing come on keep coming you're falling too far behind and zooming and all of a sudden nothing nothing the abyss Fallen, I don't know if you, you have ever been in like complete darkness and, you know, the sensory and, and I'm falling in complete darkness, falling. And I remember hitting it with a thump, you know, and, 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 and it was like complete. It was like the weirdest experience. I'll never forget it. And then I heard laughing. Ha, ha, 
we got you. We got you. We got you good. And they had built a pit 10 feet deep. Uh, and, and as you're going 10 feet deep, all of a sudden I'm crashing headfirst down into this pit because they knew there was ledges on both sides. So they went on the ledges. I didn't know. I just went crashing and headfirst. And it was so crazy. I'm like, uh, like, I'm like headfirst 10 feet. And, you know, I, you know, it was lucky I didn't break my neck, right? You know, how would they get me out? They wouldn't have. And so the, so I'm like, wow, that was crazy. And I went out and we out there like laughing. I go, let's go get everybody else. We got our siblings. And they did it one by one. And then we went and got the neighborhood kids. And like for the next couple of weeks, we had all the whole neighbor kids. Every time somebody came over, went in here. It's, it's a wonder. You're talking about guardian angels, right? You know, 10 feet head first. It's a wonder nobody broke their neck, right? But that's what we did. That's what farm kids do for excitement. But there's lots. That I, they, I fell for their traps. And there are lots of traps, not just on the farm, but there are lots of traps in life. And fathers are vital to help us avoid these traps. So I'm going to focus on spiritual lessons uh, my dad taught me and i think it's going to remind you of lessons your fathers have taught you and encourage the dads here that you are making an impact even if it seems like it's not even if you have that tough prodigal or that tough teenager that tough adult kid you know that that god is still teaching them lessons even though it can be very discouraging at times so let's uh, let's pray father i thank you for the worship and uh, I thank you for each person that's able to be here or else to listen in or to watch this. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch each of us through your word and, and, and also eat, encourage each dad, whether we're physical dads or spiritual dads or emotional dads to somebody. We can all make an impact. And Lord, I pray that every one of us would appreciate our fathers more after today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, lessons, spiritual lessons, Dad. The first one is read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Second Timothy 2.15. I, I you love this verse, and you hopefully haven't memorized it. I use the King James Version. because goes, uh, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And and remember, I, at camp, I, I, I probably have sung this before at camp, but remember at camp, eight years old, learned this one and never forgot it. Put it to music. You want to memorize the verse, put it to music, but help me out. Does anybody know this song? Ever, ever do this at camp? Uh, I'm going to do it. <clears throat> I should have on the worship team today. But anyway, uh, <laughs> study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Nobody ever sang that one. Even Karen at camps, you know, the Baptist camps, right? Yeah. So that that's a I never forgot that one, but that's something uh that we learned, but it's also something we learned from my dad. He was a busy guy. Up very early and we had dinner at eight o'clock PM every night. I thought everybody ate at 8 p.m. We didn't know. You know, we ate dinner at 8 p.m. because that's when we tried to get the work done. Sometimes it was even later than that. But, uh, but he was a busy guy. But he started every day reading the Word of God. Never failed. Number two, learn from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. Uh, Peter, Luke 22, 31 to 32, where it says, Jesus talked and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. 
And Peter did learn that. Remember, we talked about that not too long ago, uh, how God gives second chances. And, and he did learn. He came back and, and learned and strengthened his brothers, learned from his mistakes. And I saw my dad make lots of mistakes. Uh, we all do, don't we, dads? But he learned from them and, and, and bounced back. He usually learned from them and bounced back. And he let us make our mistakes and learn from them. He let us make our mistakes and learn from them. He didn't enable us. He didn't rescue us. Uh, Parents, are you hearing me? Did not enable or rescue. Parents always wonder, well, my kid is 22 and there's blah, blah, blah. Now I go, it's because you were... uh, you enabled them and rescued them your whole life. They never learned from their mistakes. We don't let our kids learn from their mistakes. They need to do that. And at and, and whatever age your kids are, let them learn from them. But my dad didn't enable us or rescue us, but he did know when to step in. There is a time to step in. And you've heard most of this story in different parts, but there's some newer people here and people watching online. So uh, and my, 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 my one big mistake I made was my very first car. Uh, I wanted to buy a car, had to sell one of my cows to buy that car. I had a bunch of cows that were being born, and it's a long story. But I had these cows. I had to sell one, and, and I went out to buy a car, and I, and I found the perfect car. It was the yellow Volkswagen, right? But not just the Volkswagen, the Super Beetle, a Super Beetle. And I know some of you had Super Beetles. You know what I'm talking about. They weren't just regular. They were Super Beetles, right? And I found one. The guy wanted $800. I even knew the guy. He wanted $800. And, uh, and I told my dad, Dad, I need to sell the car. I'm going to go buy my Super Beetle. And he's like, well, let me go look at it first with you. Let me look at it. No, Dad, you're just trying to talk me out of it. You always try to tell me I'm doing anything I want to do, you know. You know, always kind of ruin my fun, right? So I, I don't need your help. This is my car, my cow. I'm going to do this. So he said, okay, go ahead, you know. He didn't. He let me go do it. And it was yellow for a reason. It was a lemon, all right. And uh it was a yellow Super Beetle, and and I remember I I went out to get it, and he wasn't there to help me coach me getting you know, the guys telling me how to run this Super Beetle. He was usually your dad should be there to tell you how to you know reinforce it. Nope, I didn't want my dad to help me. Nope, and so what it was it had an automatic clutch, and so uh, what I heard him say was this has an automatic clutch. You can push on the clutch on the floor and shift, or you can. Push on the handle and shift. That was the automatic part on the handle. Or you can just let it shift itself. Put it in the first gear and it will shift itself. Automatic clutch, right? That's what I heard. That, that, uh, that's what I heard. What he really said was you got to shift it on the floor or shift it in the handle. But, but that's what he said. But what I heard was, or if you don't want to shift it, it will shift itself. I'm getting a little mixed up there. It'll shift itself. It's an automatic clutch. So I only listened to half of what the guy said and didn't really hear it. All I heard was automatic, shift it or not shift it. It'll shift itself. That's what I heard. My dad wasn't there to help me. So the first a week I'm driving my car, I'm shifting it. It was fun. I'm shifting my car. But after a week, I was like, I don't want to shift anymore. It's pain. So I just put it in the first gear and let it shift itself, right? And all of a sudden, I had issues with my car. It was loud. And it wouldn't go fast. Earlier, it was going pretty fast. I'm not going to say how fast it went. But it was going pretty fast. But now I could only get it up to barely to 
45, maybe 50 on the long straightaways, going 50. And it was so loud. And, and everybody knew I was coming. They said, we heard you coming. All my friends were ready. They had heard me coming. You know? It was so loud. And it could not get it going faster. I'm like, oh, no. Why won't my car drive faster? But anyway, I'm driving around. And my dad says, Chuck, I think there's something wrong with your car. Uh, it's so loud. It goes, it's because it's a Super Beetle, Dad. Stop picking on my car. They're loud because it's a Super Beetle. Uh, and, and he goes, yeah, but something's not right. And it kept burning belts. It just kept burning belts. You know, wherever I, I'd say, Dad, you know, come and get, bring me a belt. Well, yeah, I'm down so-and-so. I have to walk a couple miles. You know, because it kept burning belts. And it just kept going on and on. And after about a couple weeks of this, finally my dad was in the driveway one time. And I, I was just getting ready to go out. He says, wait, Chuck, Chuck. Chuck, let, I, let, I'm going to help you. Something's not right. I go, leave me alone, Dad. Leave me alone. He goes, let me in the car. You know, he, had, you know, he, he knew when to step in. He says, let me in the car. He gets into the, the passenger seat. He says, okay, let's take a ride. And go down the road. Let me hear what's going on, you know. So I put it in the first gear, and I start driving. And he goes, okay, shift it. I go, I don't have to. It has an automatic clutch. He goes, stop the car. <laughs> I was driving around in first gear. All right, so so uh, he knew when to step in, but the damage was done. I had burned a lot of belts. I had done a lot to it, and I'll never forget. I was short. Like the next week, I'm driving, and I was uh, I was uh, going to come down a hill, uh, and, and uh, we kept still where Ellie. We still can't figure out where this bridge was, but I was going to come down a hill, and uh, and all of a sudden the oil light went on. And it shouldn't have gone on because I've been putting oil in, but there was a problem. And uh, the oil light come in. And, and, and do they even have oil lights in cars anymore? I don't even know. They have these. The wrench? Yeah, the oil light wrench something. So I, I was taught, we were taught by dads and driver edge teachers that if the oil light ever goes on, what do you do immediately? Shut the car off immediately because then it has a chance, you know, to be fixed or survive. But... I was about seven miles from home, and I'm like, I gotta get home fast because oil came on. And so I remember I just jammed on the, you know, put it in the, I shifted in the, the highest gear and jammed on the gas and went zooming down this hill toward the canal. There was a the Erie Canal was right near my house, uh, about seven five miles from the house, and of six six miles from where where I hit it. And I was zooming, I was just flying down there. I gotta get home. I gotta get home before before something bad happens, you know, so I can shut the key off, you know, seven miles. And I and I came zooming down and there was a one lane bridge going over the canal. And and I'm like, oh gosh, but I couldn't slow down. And I went zooming up on that one lane bridge and there was already a car on it. And I was flying and I was like, this could be the end. This could be the end. But this other car was small, too. It was like a little Datsun kind of a car. And I'll never forget the person's eyes. I never forget. I, I don't remember their face, but I remember their eyes went, Woing, you know. And I, and I like, I zoomed up on and I squeezed and they squeezed. We got by each other. It was a miracle. God has a purpose. There are guardian angels. All right. And, and I went zooming over that bridge. I went down. There was a stop sign right there, but there's never any cars. So I zoomed through the stop sign and I was driving down and the car stopped. It just like froze and I shut it off really quickly like I'm supposed to. And, and there's a house right there. And I walked over to the guy's house and I and, and, and I said, hi. And there's an old guy, real friendly guy. And I said, my car oil light came on and it seized up. And I don't know what to do. He goes, well, I have some oil. What's what's going on out? He says, now, this is what's going to happen. I'll put the oil in. 
And if you start the car and it starts, you're okay. And if you don't, you get it towed. It's done. You're, you don't have a car anymore. And I said, oh, God, please, please let it start. Please let it start. And uh, I've learned my lesson. And uh, so, he, so he put the oil in, turned it on, and it worked. I started driving. I'm like, whoa, this is great. This is great. I got away with it. I got away with it. And about two days later, all of a sudden, you hear this whoosh. I was about a quarter mile from the house. I heard a whoosh. I looked back, and there was like an oil trail all along the road. It's just like whoosh, you know. You know the oil's gone. I, and there, the light came on. I shut it off. <laughs> uh, I learned that part. And so I went and got my buddies because we, we were right by the house about a quarter of a mile. And I, I got my one friend with his car, and he, I put a, we put a chain on his bumper, and I hooked the other chain to my car, and I had my two friends, Eric and Lenny, where, uh, you know, Eric was pulling me, and Lenny was in my car, and I said, and my car's in neutral now, and, and I said, okay, guys, when I get to the house, I'll jump out, and I'll say, one, two, three, stop, ease on the brakes, ease on the brakes, and then we'll both stop nice and slow together, like we always did on the farm, right? Well, we get to the house, and I jumped out, I said, one, two, three, stop, and Len, uh, Eric eased on the brake, and Lenny slammed on the brakes, and my bumper went boing like an arrowhead, you know, and I shot out, like, no, no, not my super beetle, and, uh, and it, it shot out, and oh gosh, I was, I was so mad, so anyway, we ended up getting the car to this guy who could fix it. His name was Bud. And Bud, uh, Bud, uh, fixed, he said, I, he fixed it. He got the oil fixed. He says, you gotta take care of this car. He got the engine running again and, and all that. But he couldn't fix the bumper. It was just like an error. I couldn't drive it like that. I go, what can I do? He goes, well, it's not worth going and getting a new bumper, Chuck. Uh, this car's not worth that. <laughs> I wouldn't put any more money into it. Wink, wink. So he said, uh, why don't you, this is probably what you should do. Find a nice soft tree and just drive into it and bump it. And that's what you can do. Bump, you can bump the bumper back into, you know, some kind of semblance of a bumper. I go, okay. So we had a box alder tree, a big old box alder tree. So I drove up, I, I put it in the first gear. I drove up and bumped it. Got out and looked and didn't do anything. I'm like, oh, great. So I got further back and I picked up speed and I went zooming up to it and bam, you know. Look it out. No, not much. So I, then I really got, got going fast. Bam, I remember hitting that box all the tree. There's no airbags in the Super Beetles, right? And uh, there's no engine in the front. It's like, you know, empty, right? I bammed into it. I got out and sure enough, it. It, it was inverted now, like an accordion, you know. I was like, I, I'm like, oh, what a mess. All I end up, I ended up with that car, selling it as junk, you know, to another friend. <laughs> For sold it as junk, and he got it going. I don't know how, but but all because what? I didn't listen to my dad. I didn't let my dad help me. I didn't listen to him. I didn't do it all myself. And my dad knew enough not to enable or to rescue me. But he did know when to step in, when enough was enough. He knew when to step in. And that's what his dads, we have to, that's what we have to do. We have to learn, dads have to model learning for mistakes. And we also have to let our kids make those mistakes and keep an eye on them in the process. But let them make those mistakes. Very, very important. That's something my dad understood. The third thing is my dad taught me how to, survive a gut punch a gut punch you know what i'm talking about those things in life that really hit hard we see them in the bible all over the bible look at all the biblical characters who who went through gut punches and survived those gut punches and 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 we have to we have to uh we have to learn how to survive that my dad taught me that i remember one day we were bailing hay 
prevailing hay, and uh, I was sitting on the, the the wheel, you know, the wheel covering there, whatever they call that. Uh, I was sitting on that. My dad was bailing, and something went wrong with uh, the baller. Now you're not allowed to sit on the wheel cover, the wheel hub, whatever it was. Uh, but, you know, it's, they're dangerous. But my dad, something went wrong with the baller, and my dad went back to fix it. And, you know, it was a kicker baller. It was the one that throws the bales up into the wagon. You know, you remember those old-fashioned, now they're all round bales or square bales. But it was a throw, a throw up there. We used to even get up in the wagon and try to catch them sometimes. Bad idea. Bad idea. So uh, the straw bales, okay, not the hay bales. And so <clears throat> something went wrong. The kicker wasn't working. So my dad says, here, you stay on the tractor and push the levers for me. I'm going to go try to fix this. Farmers can fix anything. I went back there and... He went back there and he, he turned uh, turned the kicker off. There's a special safety switch. He turned the kicker off and he goes back there and he's behind the kicker and he's working on something and all of a sudden the kicker kicked. The safety switch malfunctioned. The kicker kicked, hit him right in the stomach and chest. Those kickers kick. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but it was unbelievable. It, it, and I thought my dad was dead. I thought for sure he's got to be dead. I remember he went down on his knees. I was frozen on that tractor. I was frozen. I couldn't move. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. I'm just waiting for him to die, right? Literally waiting for him to die. And, and he tried to catch his breath for a few minutes and he finally staggered to his feet went up tried to get the stupid safety thing back in right and he couldn't he hardly talk and he went back and he fixed the baller and then he staggered up to the tractor got on and kept working didn't go to a doctor Years later, he went to the doctor, and the doctor had to do an x-ray for something else. And so it looked like your ribs were broken at one time and healed up here. And he goes, I remember when that happened. Just kept going. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fixing, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. I'm reading the wrong version. I'm quoting the wrong version. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. But let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The word there for race in Greek is agon. It's where we get the word agony. And we have to run for perse- with perseverance that race, that hard race, that agonizing race that's marked out for us. Keeping our eyes on Coach Jesus. But that perseverance. And that's what I learned from my dad. Surviving life's gut punches and persevering. Very, very important lesson. Uh, I also learned faithfulness from my dad. Uh, Matthew 24, 45 to 46, where it says, Jesus says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. And that is, Jesus is talking about faithfulness there. And the most important, very, very important thing for dads is to be faithful. The most imp- 
important thing we can do is not as dads is not something dramatic. Not something heroic, not something dramatic. I've come to realize that 90% of being a dad is just showing up. Just showing up. Faithfully. Faithfully. Daily feeding. Jesus uses the example of daily feeding. What's the big deal, daily feeding? Try not feeding your cows for a day. They don't like it. What do you hear? They go nuts, you know. They they want their food, and people are the same way, aren't they? Kids and all of us. We you try not feeding. They 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 think that uh, that you know there's a lot of food shortages going on in the world. They say three days, the world uh, in three days without food, everything would come apart. They've projected this. And we're not far from that in a lot of places. Uh, three days. Look what happened with the just the the the, the milk, right? Uh, but faithful, faithful daily, milking the cows two times a day. If you ever milk a cow, try milking fifty of them twice a day every day. It, it, it is a pain dealing with cows. They're 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 just summertime with the flies and the horse flies and the tails flying, and they put their tails in the manure and fly around. And you know, my dad got so sick of it, I never forget. He he actually went through and they cut all their tails off to about this length. You know, you had to leave it that high because you have to go push up on them and freeze their legs so they won't kick you at times. But but he cut it off and uh, to be a, to. To, to be faithful milking those cows, you had to deal with a lot of crap. A lot of crap. That's the way, That was the nice word in the barn. Right. And, and, and my dad many times said, I'm so glad you didn't farm like me. You didn't have to deal with all the farming. And I go, I still do, Dad. I still deal with a lot of crap. But anyway, uh, that's our joke. But my dad was, was faithful. He was faithful spiritually too. He taught junior high Sunday school for 25 straight years. You know that... Sixth, seventh, eighth graders, Sunday school. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, but he made the Bible fun. It was hard, but he made the Bible fun to learn. Lots of crazy stuff. Always doing something crazy in Sunday school. And he taught us faithfulness another way. He was very. He made the family a priority. I remember at one point my dad was gone a lot at night, not just with with farming, but then he was on a lot of boards, the zoning board and some church board and school board and all these boards he was on. And I'll, and I'll never forget one day he came home and he said, I quit all the boards. I'm never home. You know, I, I need to make the family a priority. And he quit every board. He still taught Sunday school, but he quit all the boards. And he was home. He made that a, a real priority. He, and he gave us a lot of time. A lot of times we didn't want that time. He made it where we worked with him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but, but he was at everything. We were in sports. He was there. You know, swim meets. You know, we, you know I used to swim the 500. I hated that. But it was perseverance. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, but he used to whistle. And whenever we did the flip turn down at the spectator end, he would be whistling, whistling, whistling. He was so into it. When we did a flip, we could really hear him. He was right there. One time he almost fell in. The coach grabbed him. <laughs> I almost lost the race because my dad almost fell in on top of me. He was there. My dad was far from perfect. 
Sometimes he lost it. He was under lots of pressure, just like all of us as dads. We are under lots of pressure, aren't we, dads? And he would lose it. And uh, and and it was hard, really, really hard. I remember one time, uh, Kim and I just got married. It was before we even had our first anniversary. Just got married, and we were visiting the farm at Christmas time. And, and I always wanted Kim to see a baby calf for And I kept saying, oh, I just wish you were here for a baby calf. And all dating and all that, never saw one. You had to just be there right when the calf was being born. And it was Christmas morning. And it was uh, like four in the morning. My dad yelled up the stairs, guys, help me. I got to need help with a calf. And uh, four, in the, you know, four in the morning. And, and I woke Kim up. <laughs> you know, we were just married uh, a few months there. And, and I said, this is your chance. Christmas morning, baby Jesus, you know, born. You're going to get to see a baby calf. It's so exciting to see that little baby born. And, and so she got up and went out in the freezing cold, you know, and it was freezing. And she gets out to the barn. It's about five in the morning. And it was a tough birth. The calf was, a, it was a first calf heifer, the calf's first, the heifer's first chance at a baby, and it was going to be, a, we knew it was a big, big boy cow, big bull, uh, and it, that's the, the ultimate terrible thing, the, the cow was just moaning, you know, mooing and moaning, it was in so much pain, going to be a really tough birth, and so usually the calf, often the calf would just be born, or you would just grab its legs and kind of pull, give a little pressure, pull, but in this, when this happened, you had, to, you had to take extreme measures, we had to tie ropes to the calf's legs, pull it back, put it around a, a pipe, and then you take another big rope, and you take it to a, another pipe, you put a little pipe here, and then you take it to a big pipe, one of the milking pipes, and you wrap the the rope around it, and you had to create this tension. We had to walk up this rope, and as we're walking and pulling, someone else had to be doing the rope. So that was the easier job. So my dad put Kim in charge of that. My dad's usually this funny guy, laid back. The only side Kim had ever <laughs> funny and crazy at the same time. Only side she had ever seen, my easygoing dad. Well, my dad, when he's going to lose a $1,000 cow and a $100 calf, and that's a lot to a farmer, he gets intense. And we were all used to that, you know? but not Kim. And he uses words <laughs> she's never heard before, barn talk. We we're only allowed in the barn to use those words, not in the house. And so, uh, so, She's in charge of this rope, and she didn't do it fast enough. And my dad was, <laughs> he, he, we're like walking up this rope, and here's Kim <laughs> trying to do this rope, and he's like screaming at her, <laughs> "Don't do it like that! Do it faster! We're gonna lose it!" You know, with a lot of words mixed in. <laughs> I'll never forget. Kim was just like, I'm laughing and crying at the same time. Kim was like, she was like, "What, what, what is happening?" And, and we had to go back and help her, and it was crazy. It got crazy. And then the calf was finally born, and it was dead. It was a big bull calf, and it was dead. And, and, uh, and, and the cow, now we got the calf out, but the cow was pushing so hard it couldn't stop. 
It was just in this constant pushing, and it, we, it cast its wither. We call it in the farm casting its withers. It was actually pushing its insides out. And, and we're like, oh, no. And my dad called the vet. We tried to calm the cow down, called the vet. The vet comes out. It's now it's 6 o'clock in the morning on Christmas morning. You want to be a vet? This is what he had to come. He had to push the insides back. It was, I'll never forget it. Push, you're working on it, clipping this, clipping that, pushing it. He got it back in, sewed the cow up. She lived. Had many more calves. Never like that again, but lived. But I'll never forget, we, we, this was so intense. Kim was trauma. <laughs> Traumatized. Why'd you wake me up? <laughs> We go in the house, and my mom goes, what happened? What happened? I go, well, we saved the cow, but Kim killed the calf. <laughs> Went back to the youth group, you know, in Connecticut, and I was telling the story. I go, but we had the calf, but Kim killed it on Christmas. That was our joke all the time. Kim, you would never thought she'd have a baby after that, right? Thirteen children later, right? You, know, you never thought because she was traumatized because she not just by the calf and the stuff, but my dad, you know. But 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 dads, we we sometimes we we lose that, especially in intense situations. Dad, you know what I'm talking about? We all lose it, don't we? Every one of us loses it. We lose it. But but we're under a lot of pressure. And I want to encourage families and kids to be understanding of that. You don't understand the pressure that dads are under. Sometimes it's just too much. And dads, when we lose it, it's important that we say sorry and and ask for forgiveness. Very, very important that we do that. We say sorry. We ask for forgiveness. It's like a bank account Uh, with 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 the with dads. When we lose it, we withdraw on a bank account that we've in that we have with our with our family. And we, we make a withdrawal on that, okay, when we lose it. But it's okay as long as we're constantly filling that bank account. If we're constantly filling it emotionally and spiritually and physically, the hugs, and you know what I'm talking about? We're doing that. We're constantly making deposits that, that that's okay. When we lose it sometimes, it, it's not that big a deal, really. It's not that big a deal because we, we have this full bank account. When it becomes a big deal is when we don't make those deposits. When that bank account is empty and we withdraw, we lose it, we, we do something that's upsetting, and that's when the damage happens. Or we keep withdrawing too many times too fast, and that's when the damage happens. As dads, we have to keep Filling that bank account. And that goes for our marriages. That goes for our children. It goes for every relationships. We have to keep filling that. So when we do make a mistake, when we do lose it, it doesn't drain the bank. It doesn't damage. It's not that excruciating withdrawal. And listen, my dad was far from perfect. But you don't have to be to impact your kids. We don't have to be, thank God. And my dad is still impacting our kids. Uh, here's one last picture. Uh, here's my dad. You got that one? Do you have the last picture? You don't have the one, the hiking one? I sent it to you. Okay, well, anyway, we don't have it. But anyway, I probably forgot to send it. It wasn't your fault. See, it's my fault. I'm sorry. All right, so uh, uh, <laughs> even if it's not your fault, it's your fault. But I probably really did forget to send that one. But uh, 
uh, my dad, I had a picture of him hiking with the kids, and he's like, he's like, my sister said, I sent it to my sister, says, you're going to kill dad, you know, because he had him out hiking, we're hiking, 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 uh, you know, picking berries and all that stuff. And, but he's still impacting, but he is getting tired. My dad's getting tired. That's what I was going to show you. But, uh, but a lot of times we get tired as dads, right? How is God speaking to us? How is he calling us to impact our kids? What lessons are, are, are we, hoping to pass on to our children what lessons have we already passed on to our children maybe we messed up start now wherever you're at start now god is the god of what do i say yes yeah, second and thousand chances right i always say second and a thousand chance god's the god of a, a, a second chances a god of a, a thousand chances no matter what start now i i remember with Ryan, uh, he he was our only kid for two years. So I, I always said to him, Ryan, you got 100% of my love and 90% of my mistakes because he was our first one, you know. And he got you got 90% of the mistakes. And and I remember talking to him toward the end of his life. Working through lots of hurts. Some was my fault and some was his fault, but I didn't matter. I was saying I'm sorry for a lot of things, and I said to him, "You, I got 100% of my, you know, love and 90% of my mistakes." And he said, "But I remember him saying, it's okay, Dad. You and Mom didn't make any mistakes, but I did. But I did. But I hope I learned from them." Every kid, I learn more from each one of them. And that's probably why God gave me 13 kids, because he knew I needed to learn a lot, right? And, and I, I must have needed those lessons. And now we have little Laurel, who is a pip and a half. Uh, oh, she's so cute. She's so sweet. Well, no, she's cute, but I wouldn't call her sweet. She's a pip, you know? And... Uh, and, and I've had to learn a whole new, on the 14th one, a whole new level of patience. And many times I've said, this is for you, Rye. This is for you. Dads, how is God calling us to start over? Maybe you've already started over, but how is he calling us to start over and, and maybe start today making deposits? Maybe we, no matter what, we can still start making those deposits uh, kids, t- give your dad some grace. Give him a lot of grace, and and realize what they have imparted to you, and how they have encouraged you and taught you, and and let them know. Even today, tell your dad something that you really appreciate that he taught you, something you really appreciate today. And maybe you're here, whether you're a dad or a kid or anybody. Maybe you need a brand new start. Every one of us can have a brand new start by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Every one of us, no matter what has gone on in our life, what we've done, what has happened to us, we can have a brand new start in life and in an and eternal life, too, by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, by giving our life to Jesus Christ, we can all start right 
now. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us as we go to this time of prayer? Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to Him. You've never had a brand new start here in this life and a life that will go through all of eternity with God someday. If you will put your faith in Him. Maybe the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. Even as I'm speaking, you are, you are coming to that realization and, and, and you're, you're trusting in Jesus Christ. And I always encourage people to, to pray a prayer of faith just to put the frosting on the cake, to, to drive the nail into the, the, you know, the last nail into the board there and, 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 and be sure of it. The simple but powerful prayer of faith. God, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. His death on that cross for my sin, that paid for my sin. His resurrection from the dead to, to, to give me a brand new life. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm giving my life to Him. I don't want to sin anymore. I walk away from the sin. I turn away from that. I repent of that. I'm going to follow Jesus. I want the brand new start in my life. If you have put your faith in Jesus, if the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to that, if you've given your life to Him, you are a brand new person, a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. Your life will never be the same. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Let somebody know today. Don't let this day... Tell your dad. Tell somebody. If you don't have anybody to tell, tell me. I'll be excited for you. So excited. Let somebody know you've taken that step of faith. And most importantly, you now have a brand new life in Jesus Christ ahead of you. As we're doing this time of prayer too, if maybe you are thinking about your own father today based on this, what I've shared, and maybe God is putting on your heart to forgive something. To give grace in some way. To share something with your father, how, how he's made an impact on your life. And maybe your father is already gone. But you can honor his memory by living out the lessons he's taught. And maybe you're here and you're a father. And you're not perfect. But our prayer today is, God, I'm going to take that thousandth chance you're giving me today. I'm asking for the mercy and grace, your mercy and grace to help me to start making deposits 
no matter what has happened, I'm going to start making deposits. Even if I don't see a withdrawal on that from them, I'm going to still make those deposits by your grace. Father, I thank you for everyone here, every dad, and the difference that they have made. And I pray that you would encourage each one of us to keep persevering. In Jesus' name, amen.